Glad those robots are gone. Now it's just us humans with our very human faces. All right, I just turned the corner. I like these guys. Yes, my human guy name is Eric. My name is also Eric. No, I mean Deborah. Bot, 5,000. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 116 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are on our third and final uh, Man vs. Machine movie. This was Thomas's pick. Uh, we're watching uh, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. So, Thomas, since this was your pick, um, yeah, give us... Why, why did you pick this movie? Or maybe, yeah, maybe give us the MVP synopsis first, I guess. Yeah. All right. The Mitchells versus the Machines, 2021, directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe. A quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So why'd you pick the Mitchells versus the Machine? So yeah, I picked this because, yeah, I mentioned in the last episode that there were a lot of options to choose within the sci-fi genre that a lot of directions we could have gone that are movies that I think we are already familiar with. And I thought it'd be cool if we start, yeah, if we prioritize things that we both haven't seen. And so mm -hmm. we've seen Ex Machina, we've seen 2001. Those are like staples. Those are awesome movies. But I heard about this movie is from the studios, from Sony uh, animation, Sony's animation studio right now that responsible for the Lego movie is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Both of those are really awesome movies. The standout being Into the Spider-Verse, which is fucking really awesome. Um, but if you're not su 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 if you're not too into superheroes, it's cool to have like this as like a nice follow up to that, which is like a really fun, vibrant animated movie in the similar style, kind of like a blend of 3D and 2D and a lot of like just vibrancy and just incredible amounts of detail bursting off the screen. If you don't like superhero stuff, you'd probably love this. And I thought it, it just fit perfectly with the theme of it having the word machines in the title. And yeah, it had a lot of good accolades, great cast. A lot of good stuff going for it. So I was just like, yeah, why not watch it? It's on Netflix. And yeah, it didn't get a theatrical release, which I thought was interesting. It didn't? Okay. No, yeah, because of COVID, it got it like it bounced from one studio to the next. And then in the period of like the two year, two or three years of it sort of getting bounced around, it uh, eventually landed on Netflix. And um, I'll mention this towards the end, but there's a lot of deleted scenes, animatics, and storyboards mm -hmm. on YouTube. And that has a very different vibe and energy than what we have. But what we have, I think it's a lot of fun. It's great. I love this movie. It's it, it does have its flaws. It's not like quite perfect, but it is working at a very high level. It's awesome that like animated movies right now, like animated family movies can be this vibrant and have this much personality yeah. and charm and character to it and be so tightly written. It's cool that my like even my like ADHDs younger cousin loves Into the Spider Verse, and like mm -hmm. it's cool that his favorite superhero movie is a movie that has so much artistry and personality to it. And I think that's the same with this movie. It's a little, a little different because it's about like 
uh, it's it's like yeah about filmmaking and family and meme culture kind of so it can be kind of hit or miss with the comedy but it's it's great it's a good time what do you think um i think i was less enthusiastic about this one i feel like there's a lot to love in this movie yeah. uh because there's a lot in this movie uh, <laughs> yes yeah it is kind of bursting at the seams um it feels like yeah i i, I was struggling with it like at, at the beginning i felt a little overwhelmed by how skinny <laughs> and wacky it was and then uh, we get a scene with Eric Andre, who plays like the CEO of a tech company, introducing this new product, which is these uh, robots. And it felt like the movie was able to slow down a little bit because we know how these, you know, big speeches from CEOs are supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I was a little able to get into it a little bit more because it had slowed down. Uh, and yeah, I picked back up again. A lot of the jokes work for me. A lot of the you know character trajectories work for me but yeah it's i don't know i was thinking about it and it just <laughs> I, I like i'm tempted to call it like formulaic uh yeah even yeah. though yeah even though the animation is so different the, it, it is definitely doing something different with visually uh but I don't know that it's really doing anything different storytelling wise. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. That's like so, the the cynical version reading. Yeah, I think of I'm it. more cynical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's fine because I watched this twice. The first time I was like tearing up at certain parts, but I'm like walking away from it. The second time watching it, I'm like, yes, yeah, very formulaic. It had particular moments that are designed to like work in a particular way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it it does kind of struggle with that. I was comparing it uh, maybe unfairly. Uh, to another very fantastic family film, um, Paddington Two. Paddington oh, Two. Paddington Two is like airtight. It's another family movie, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but there's like a moment in that where like Sally Hawkins' character is training for to cross the English Channel. Uh, spoilers for Paddington Two if you still haven't seen this classic. You've been given a lot of time. I'm giving you a lot of grace on this. <laughs> Spoiler warning. So at the end of Paddington 2, when there's the whole train crash and he's trapped inside of the train car, we have the moment of Sally Hawkins being able to hold her breath, swim down there and save him. And so mm -hmm. we have like, there's like the train stuff with the dad. Like every character has their moments that plays into the climax in a way that's like, this screenwriting works very great. Here we have like the mom turning into a samurai, but there's no like hint of that. Yeah, I don't really know what the setup is there. Yeah. And we also with... have... Maybe, well, go ahead, go ahead. You're probably the little that. brother. I was gonna say like dinosaur stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's fun. And... It's cool. Like <laughs> dinosaurs yeah. are dope. Like everyone loves dinosaurs. But... but then, like this is also kind of a problem with this movie is that like we're set up so so we meet this dog, this ridiculous dog they have <laughs> that like its eyes go in two different directions. Um, that's like one of the early things we get to know about this dog is it's yeah. like ridiculous looking. It can't look straight. We get a we get a payoff for that. Uh, eventually, it like does pull its eyes together at like a climactic moment, uh, and it feels really good. <laughs> yeah. However, the main function of this dog is that he is like the the weakness for these machines. The machines yeah. don't know whether he's a dog, a pig, or a loaf of bread, and it feels like it it feels like okay. So now there's two things going on with this dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, its eyes go in two different directions. That's not its main thing. Its main thing is that it looks weird. However, the looks weird thing was introduced later. Yeah. Um, so it just feels a little messy. <laughs> and like, I know, and it's not a huge criticism, yeah. but I think it is like representative of there's like a, a kind of a problem here. Definitely. Um, I was gonna say, how do you feel about just like the general setup of it? This all, it's all about like, 
Abby Jacobson as the as Katie, I think is really great. I think she's doing a really good performance. And mm-hmm. we have this whole conflict between her being of like this YouTube generation of filmmakers and creatives clashing with Danny McBride's character, also doing a great performance as like the rugged dad bass pro shops kind of vibe where he's like always giving you screwdrivers like how, how do you feel about like that being like the 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 centerpiece for how this conflict of man versus machine plays out so this is also kind of weird for me because it's like so it feels like they had a movie where they're like okay this movie is about a dad whose family is always connected to their devices he can't bond with them and then the devices uh all these robots become sentient uh, he gets to say, uh, let's put the devices away. They unite as a family and yeah. they conquer the devices. And the dad is proven right. Like that feels like the skeleton story. But then they're like, eh, but our audience likes these devices. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It's a kid's <laughs> movie. So there's got to be a kid. And it's like, okay, okay. So he's trying to connect with his daughter. And his daughter's very into her devices. And, uh, and you know, she connects with friends through her devices because she doesn't really have friends in her town. So so we get to see the value of these devices, allowing her to connect with other people, even though she's not connecting with the people around her. Yeah, and then yeah. she's going off to college. So there is going to be this physical disconnect between her and the father. And the father has to learn the value of technology so that they can maintain a healthy relationship once they're separated. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. that works. That's like what this movie is doing. Yes. Uh, but it's also like, <laughs> but it's also like she's a filmmaker. Um, like I, I like I feel like it would have made more sense if she was like maybe she's developing an app or maybe she is like developing gotcha. a video game or like like I I didn't really see how like cinema complemented uh what this story is trying to explore. Yeah, I felt so bad when like the dad's like I don't know if this like is going to translate into a career when it's like her talent is is fucking is there she's absolutely talented and creative and using the there's this fableman's vibes all over this but she's using the little brother and the dog as like the actors in these movies and it's, it's a great time watching that montage is really entertaining but also it's like yeah like who knows if that's like sort of her level of her connection to it is going to actually translate into longevity like that's me, me being the most cynical I can be. It's like maybe putting cat filters on faces isn't like like it, it is helpful, but like it might be kind of tough to sort of make it the thing you do for like your career. It's like a longevity thing. Saying as a person who spent damn near ten years almost as a barista, so I'm just, I'm just like I, I don't know. I just think the dad sort of kind of has a point, but also I think overall the movie's uh, attitude towards tech is kind of mixed and a little muddy because we have the Posey family, which is like supposed to be like the Joneses in the situation where like, oh, they're the family on social media and they're like always posting and they look perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm waiting for this the moment in this movie where it subverts that and it's like, oh wait, they're not perfect. But no, like when shit goes down and the alien, uh, sorry, the robots start attacking, they are perfect and they actually yeah. like ballet. Yeah, they ballet into the car and escape in their beautiful way and then we get to see how our family does that really terribly. But I'm like, I'm waiting for the moment for the shoe to drop and for them to be inauthentic and then to be bad at it. they end up in a, a friend cube or what are the cubes called um uh what was it? <laughs> um a human fun know. pod they end yeah. up inside of one of the human fun pods at the end of it so, so i guess not. that is them like they eventually did get caught right yeah but we don't really see it and i think yeah. that's that's the, the part i was kind of bummed out about i'm like oh yeah like they're the joneses they're like the the dumb instagram family that you want to see as like the dysfunctional gross mess that they actually are because i think that would be the healthy way to critique it right <laughs> but it's also like i don't know 
it, it to me it kind of it, it reminds me of like why does this family need to be here <laughs> this other family <laughs> like it's a good joke it's a good gag um and i guess maybe the point of having that additional family is to try and by comparing and contrasting we could learn something about our main family yeah um but then it's i don't i, I don't know like going back to her being a film student it's like why does this have to be here in terms of how it relates to everything else that this movie's about why does the son being obsessed with dinosaurs and like talking to this girl have to be here because how does it relate to everything else that this movie's about yeah like it just feels like to me they had a solid script uh solid trajectory for this story to take and they were like we gotta punch it up we gotta make it more fun we gotta make yeah. it more interesting and they just kept fucking punching it up it kept going and going and yeah. now it's just kind of wacky zany overbearing um, yeah and i think it does sort of exacerbate that element of the story when you have like the really beautiful gorgeous animation amplified by like katie's sketches on top of it yeah. so it's like that's kind of like where the spider-verse kind of thing comes in where it's like you have these bursts of just like even more color and just stuff to look at it, it does like become a lot but i was really into it the first time i thought it was like a gr on, on the first watch it's like very fun to just kind of dive in and just see where it goes but i, I do agree it can be a little neck break <laughs> breakneck speed this movie was uh i'm, I'm on the imdb page and the trailer just keeps playing over and over uh, it was originally called Connected. Yes. And it yeah. feels like that is trying to underline like, okay, the family is kind of disconnected. They become connected over the course of the movie. And also, yeah. you know, this connection that people have with technology. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know how well integrated the, I don't know, like the dad, not the dad being against technology and then learning to accept it. I, there's something about that that just didn't work ring true to me i guess um hmm. okay it it worked for me i i i appreciated the way that they sort of went with it. it it was just silly enough to sort of be like okay it's a very simple task to sort of complete in this climax but the person that we've sort of spent time with does see does seem to be that inept i think it's that like i didn't feel the weight of technology being the reason for his disconnection with his daughter Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, which I think if that's what the movie's about, like I need to feel that more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. It feels like it's it's definitely there. Uh yeah, it's, it just doesn't dive in maybe is uh, at yeah, length. Yeah. Absolutely there, undeniably there. It just I need to I need to meet. Um yeah. and I think last complaint. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm like shitting all over this. No, it's fine. Uh is that I feel like this movie is getting ready to end and then it goes on for 40 more minutes like it was just like too like we have a, a pretty excessive battle against yeah, the robots yes. uh that just keeps going and i'm like man i was ready for this to be over like i was ready for it to be over at the mall with all the furbies <laughs> and stuff gosh it was a great sequence yeah i i loved that that was i think yeah a highlight of the movie is yeah the progression from the road trip leading to the first little dino stop and we get our, like that little conflict and fight to see their, their their struggle to connect as a family but then once things start to click at the toy store and everything is just like escalating constantly it's just you're mm -hmm. you're in a, it's in a good place to be because yeah by the time 
the giant kaiju Furby shows up and is talking about like silent. subtitles were awesome. Yeah. 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 Behold the twilight of man. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah. Just like incredibly just over the top, but just like so much fun. And yeah, it's when the uh, animation excels and you just have like, it's very dynamic, very fast. And you're just going from gag to gag. And you know, the, the smart racket is smacking the dad in the face. And it's just like, it's, it's just tumbling so quickly, but it's all working really well. But I do agree. It does kind of have this, the uh, double climax thing um, where we have the the sort of similar escalation to the top of these ships where they, the whole family's together doing it and then they have to have like the end of act three moment where, or sorry, yeah, sorry your approach to act three moment where things get really bad again and things mm-hmm. end up the worst they can possibly be. Literally all of the color drains out of the shot and they're like just stuck out in the forest watching this old footage of the dad like selling their house and it's, yeah, it's really sad and it's just kind of keeps going until they go back into the robot lair and kind of do that whole ascension and battle all over again and so it's a, yeah we kind of do it twice yeah um, no no i was into it i had it i had a <laughs> good i had a good time i i do appreciate the uh yeah, the dog pug uh sorry the the dog pig loaf of bread gag i think that that is just a good time i was definitely yeah like laughing through the movie um i'm glad we got a movie where eric andre and olivia coleman are interacting yeah yeah but, also uh, want to mention when the dad is having this climactic moment where it all leads up to all he has to do to save the world is play globally his daughter's video of mm-hmm. uh, uh pug cop or whatever dog cop and that will fry all of the robots globally but the fact that the dad is inept and can't even open youtube he flips on the spanish subtitles i was like oh, I, it was really funny i like that gag but a part of that was the a video was like um uh, something tapioca is like uh, decriminalized tapioca, which is a oh, yeah. refer- reference to legalized ranch. And I was like, why did they just use oh, the legal? Yeah, why did okay. they just do the legal? Uh, put in Eric Andre. That would have been. I was definitely great... thrown off by that. Yeah, it's it's very random. And on the first watch, I'm like, okay, yes, it's just random. But then when on the second watch, I'm like, oh wait, like tapioca ranch. Uh, then I made the connection to Eric Andre, and I was like, why did they just put like a legalized ranch clip in there? That would have been even funnier. Like that would have been a great little like break the fourth wall. Let's get really crazy with the escalation here. Uh, I was gonna say also in that sequence when he's watching the daughter's video, I really appreciate the hand puppet version of I guess the I don't know who this is the police chief yeah. <laughs> uh, talking to the dog cop, um, and the police chief is of course a stand-in for her own father. And so we're getting to feel like how she feels about her own father and how she believes her father perceives her. Um, And we just get like a shot of the father's face as he's watching this and sort of the, uh, I guess, conflict, the collision between this, the father coming to this emotional, uh, you know, realization contrasted against the absurdity of dog cop <laughs> was very yeah, good to yeah. me uh, for sure yeah i love that cool um, cool um, yeah it made me want to watch cloudy with a chance of meatballs again hmm, because okay. that's also a lord miller production okay. uh, i think they actually wrote that one they didn't they weren't part of the writing on this one gotcha um, gotcha but it's also a, it, to me it feels like a similar thing where it's like all of their <laughs> i don't know if it's all of their animated movies but a good chunk of their animated movies are about dad issues where it's okay. like the yeah. Lego movie has like a dad thing in it with Will Ferrell. 
this movie very obviously about dads spider-man to the spider-verse trying to connect with his dad yes. <laughs> body with a chance of meatballs about a scientist whose dad doesn't understand his science mm-hmm. um okay. i there's a pattern here <laughs> yeah and i think maybe that's what like affected this viewing experience for me is i was i was watching this and kind of like i kind of wish i was watching climbing with the chance of meatballs because i i have a feeling that did things a little better um okay. but uh yeah, if it was written by them, that's interesting because yeah, this is like directed from a, a guy who like worked on Gravity Falls, but it's not mm, okay. It's not written by him, I don't believe. Um uh Michael Randy and Jeff Rowe are both credited as writers on IMDb. Okay. Yeah, I think the name associated with Gravity that's Falls is another yeah. guy. Um it could be Jeff Rowe. Um yes, yeah, so yeah, I think um but yeah. Uh yeah, I had a good time. There's a lot of like great gags in this. I love that like the final like climax area sort of is modeled after Tron. Really enjoyed that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a movie that's just like packed with details. Like when you have the big reveal of Pal being the big bad, like the book that the phone is on is the, the singularity theory, which is like mm-hmm. the whole idea about like at one point we're just going to evolve and uh, the te- the technological progression is going to get to a point where it's indistinguishable from like humanity or something like that. I'm totally butchering this, but um, it's yeah, it's just about like the end the the end of the progression of AI. Yeah, well, yeah singularity when is when co- uh, when it collides into a singularity. Singularity is when uh, from my understanding, the way a friend explained it to me is that it's the ai has moved on without us like yes, yes we don't know what they're doing anymore they're speaking their own language uh we can they've surpassed the point where we can keep up um yeah they're pretending to be uh, joe biden and trump playing call of duty for some reason that's it distract that's what, us while they do their own thing yeah yeah um that's what's really going on yeah, all this ai shit is it's so interesting to me um yeah. my i've had some friends who were talking about it and they were saying like they think there's going to be a uh, quote-unquote AI winter where it's like everyone's panicking right now because things feel like they're developing so rapidly mm-hmm, but yeah. that development is going to sort of plateau and things are just going to be we're just going to be kind of stuck with sh- sort of shitty AI for a little while gotcha uh, uh, so we'll see that's um, a fascinating theory I like that mm. yeah that it's like oh no this is like it's not going to get that much better than this <laughs> like uh for a while it, it will eventually but you know we're kind of pushing ourselves here gotcha um, definitely anything else oh i mean just the animation in this movie is absolutely incredible yeah. um it feels like when i think of like a pixar movie i feel like there's a sheen to it like a shininess to it, a glossiness to it yeah yeah and here it feels like um there's a softness to all of the textures yeah um yeah i'm sure yeah definitely more tangible feeling to it yeah it's like the softness i expect to see from something drawn on paper or hand drawn but it is very obviously 3d animation and um i remember like pausing just to like take a look at how do they do uh in focus out of focus because it feels like they for for out of focus stuff they just kind of like layered an image on itself and like slightly offset it uh, uh okay. in a way that was kind of interesting to me I don't know. Cool. It looks, yeah, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. And then they're mess, like mixing in stop motion and live action and hand, yeah. like what feels like hand drawn 2D animation. Like they're mixing it all together. It's great. Yeah. It was, it's just fucking, yeah. Like you said, bursting at the seams. Yeah. A lot of personality and character to it. 
there's a few just a couple of jokes i want to highlight that i really enjoyed i do i really enjoyed uh the cutaway of the seven hour mule tour I, I, it's, it's mm. like just just dark enough and just like yeah, just, that was fun just crazy enough i really enjoyed that the gag of her like having uh, Munchie lick the dad reminded me of like a jackass kind of thing like the whole sketch of like the just like if you're on a road trip just like constantly pranking someone it had it had that same energy to it I appreciated like each other's heads exactly yeah. yeah it reminded me of that and I really appreciated adding that to it um, when she's uh, enviously watching her friends at college having fun and it, the guy's like it's the best day of my life I'm making lifelong bonds as he's like on a slip and slide that's exactly how I felt when I was at SFSU and I had friends back home kind of being like wait why aren't you like coming back home for the weekend I was just like I'm like it's fuck you just, I, it wasn't like it wasn't like explicitly like that but I was what like, are friends just like I was just like I'm like trying to sneak in a frat parties and stuff like I'm just my life is just insane now it's just just ridiculous and so I do really relate to how Katie felt in that sort of like separation because there was was some times where wasn't at college and sort of had that separation and definitely missed being with my folks and being with my people. Uh, and last little thing that I thought was really funny uh, is, so this movie got delayed because of COVID. And so in the scene where the robots are first doing their um, their world takeover, there's a guy in the crowd, he has a shirt that says pangolins on it. And I just thought that was a really dark joke sort of referencing to COVID as like the alleged cause or like contribution to the evolution of the COVID uh, virus sort of unfolding and being unleashed on the world. Uh, What did it say? Pangolins? Pangolins. It's the the controversial animal that's like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting dark joke sort of referencing to that. Um, Hmm. There's a lot of really dark jokes in the deleted scenes. There's like 27 deleted scenes animatics on youtube and one of the overarching connections between all of those scenes is a lot of violence on humans robots and kids and it's just like overall the tone is just much darker so if you have like 20 minutes i would highly suggest going through and watching that play there's a playlist it's like 27 like deleted scenes and it's just like the tone is just so much more different when there's like the phones are like mocking their users there's like one phone like makes fun of a kid for being the most unpopular kid in his entire school and then a robot abducts him it's just like i just like it's just so dark that it's just like a lot of fucking fun compared to the more sugary uh main film that we have i just thought that was really interesting well it is interesting because even with the film that we have there are moments where i was like who who is the target audience for this? Yeah. Because kid, they even make a joke in the movie. Like the little brother doesn't know what a Furby is. Yeah. Uh, the audience, the older audience knows what Furby the Furbies are. Most of the younger yes. audience, I think anyone under 15 may not know what a Furby is. Yeah. Um, no, there's a joke when the dad's like, oh, this looks like a Journey album cover. And the son's like, what's an album? I'm like, you should probably know what an album is. Like, like we're not that far removed like there's still album artwork like, yeah albums are still a thing records like, not so much well I records mean, are coming back i mean like spotify isn't a blank it's not a spreadsheet like there's colors there's images on spotify like come on <laughs> yeah um we didn't even discuss so this was in the representation matters uh collection on netflix yes. which i know is like I'm not going to speak for you, but <laughs> I assume neither of us are queer. No. Uh, okay. Um, but uh, so like some people have talked about um, like, it feels like is the representation 
that like okay our main character it's katie right yes so she's queer does it feel tacked on because the sort of confirmation that she's queer is uh you know sort of a blink and you miss it moment where the mom is like are you dating whatever her name is now i forget yeah um however i think there's the other argument to be made that this is thoroughly queer because there's more to queerness than just you know that one moment like we have a flashback to her going through a ska phase yeah uh, <laughs> like she has you know obviously the pride pin we get a Latigra song playing at one point like yeah i think i think I, I like i'm not a queer person so obviously i'm not the fucking authority on this but i think i i do believe a lot of queer people would say there's more to being queer than just gay sex there is a whole culture and, yeah and on-screen it. romance and yeah, yeah. like like drag drag culture is queer culture uh you know we don't have to know the sexual orient uh preferences to be able to look at drag and to understand that it is part of queer culture um yeah i think the way it's handled here is is very nicely done it's implied throughout the course of this film like yeah this is a person who is struggling with their identity and like we get like there's a, a pin on her like her coat and like when she arrives to the campus there's like bouncing rainbows of joy all over it it's just like you sort of get like this implication that, yeah like this is who this person is but yeah it's not like revolving around a romance or like a moment like a kiss or something like that it's like yeah like, this is just who this person is and i think even some redditors were diving deeper into it and be like yeah like the filmmakers like on her uh mount rushmore or like yeah she's like oh, into, like, art lady on fire yeah stuff. like art house like filmmakers and like queer filmmakers and just like her, that's what that's who katie is but it's not like overdone in a way where it's drawing attention to itself and yeah it's like it's doing it it's like the person is is a part of this narrative and that's just who she is and yeah i think it's beautiful that that could be in, included in this movie and it's yeah it it helps people feel like represented in a way that's yeah not centered around sex sex and i do yeah and i do wonder if there were like like i wonder if there were queer women watching this who connected with the character and saw themselves in the character and then that one line that blink and you miss it one line where the mother acknowledges like her being in a relationship with this woman just felt like a confirmation of what they were already feeling where it was like, yeah, I assumed this character was queer and now I have confirmation. And that feels good to have confirmation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I can understand, like, the desire to see, like, you know, a queer romance in a major motion picture, like, meant for families and children. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's multiple types of representation. This movie was about a father and daughter relationship. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah. I see. I see both sides. I, I think it's just it ne- wasn't necessarily the responsibility of this movie to satisfy fulfilling a, a queer romance, and also the romance that was in this movie with the son and that girl <laughs> didn't need to be in this. Yeah, it's it's a it's cute, but it is yeah definitely kind of tacked on. And also, I hate that trope. I think we need to get rid of that oh, trope of like okay. of uh, the nerdy dude who's like unable to uh connect with a girl like I, I feel like that trope is like damaging it's like trying to like show show us a young boy who actually knows how to express his feelings like i yeah, think he, that would be useful for for boys out there you should you should throw up on her like stan does in south park that's how he's no i i totally let's, yeah let's normalize young boys 
knowing how to express their emotions. I, I totally agree. I totally, yeah, it, it did kind of bother me. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to like get get across with that character. Um, yeah, um, it, it is a little odd. Yeah, I do. I do agree. Um, another thing, one of uh, another line I think is great. The place where the humans are held is called the rhombus of infinite subjugation. I just love that's just great wording. The English language is great when you, when you get that right combination of words together. Um, yeah, there's I think there's a lot to love about this movie, and yeah, there's just yeah, it's a little rough around the edges, uh, but overall, solid experience. Final thoughts that it. Interesting movie. It gave yeah. me a lot to think about. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching? I, are you caught up on Last of Us? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, this most recent episode, um, Ellie going on a date with her friend to the mall. Mm-hmm. Love the premise. Uh, I feel like out of the gate, though, just a lot of expo- expository dialogue. Like, it was... It, I was struggling with that one. Okay. Um, but, uh... Yeah, I, I wasn't... Know. I was into it. Um, yeah, we're starting to solidly, like, fully get into material that is outside of the first game, and that's exactly where my territory cuts off. Is I just played the first game, so yeah, I, I wasn't aware that there was actually DLC and then a second game. So I was like, whoa, like they're they're really diving into this, and this is fantastic. And I think yeah, it was a good time. I like just the sort of dreamlike feel of it. Like they're just kind of just in this mall just kind of doing their thing i i don't know why malls have this great attachment to zombie media but i think it just hmm. works to have oh. this, uh, this dawn of the dead yeah i don't know but i think it's just the environments really work for like that genre it's like okay like this like you're already in a desolate situation but let's have this sort of fantasy break off where we can have our characters be in like a fantasy land where there's just like arcades and whatever they can just kind of just do whatever they want um yeah, yeah I, you gotta think like in a survival experience the mall has everything you need yes potentially yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah i don't know i think i need to re-watch it because i don't have like a strong opinion on it i remember enjoying the episode i really enjoyed bella ramsey's performance i think she's fantastic and the other actress blanking on her name she i think she's great too um uh but yeah it's just yeah i thought it was good and some people on the internet calling it filler, but I think it was good to sort of no. slow down and focus on just like Ellie and just like, cause she's I, going to be the one, like this is where it gets kind of spoilery. I do know some spoilers for the second game, so you can pause or skip here if you don't want spoilers, but. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want spoilers for the second game. I know the major spoiler. Yeah. Well, the, well it just ties into what I'm just going to say is like, it's, about ellie this is all yeah. about ellie like joel is awesome but this is all about ellie like that that's where i'll stop yeah. <laughs> and saying so and yeah and personally i think i find all of the side characters more fascinating than joel or ellie and so that's like i love stuff like the nick offerman episode and like when we go to uh kansas city and we just see like just this entire society working under this like fanatic person who just like broke off in the resistance but then also, I feel like the show kind of has an issue where all these characters just get killed. <laughs> just like we we meet them and then they get killed and we move on. And so yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the people saying that this was a filler episode are going to say that about every episode because <laughs> it's like, what yeah. isn't filler to them? Yeah. Like we're exactly. developing our characters so that we have a reason to care about them. We yes. are, yeah, telling these stories to justify interactions that are coming down the line and to earn those interactions because like having played the game we know where this is going 
yeah i don't know yeah i think it's great honestly i just don't quite have it fresh in my memory because i think i was just watching a lot of stuff this weekend so yeah um i also saw that mandalorian came back today <laughs> which yes. i had no idea it was starting up so soon yeah I, I wasn't aware of that either mandalorian's back we're currently four episodes deep into the final season of the wu-tang show oh and, yeah oof, mm, mm. talk about I content mean. made specifically for thomas churchill <laughs> uh, <laughs> this season is just great everything about the season is just awesome but how many yeah, seasons are there this is the third and final season okay and so yeah you but, told yeah. me about it. i want to check it out i still want to check it out yeah yeah it's like now i'm just nerding out because now all of the assembling is done so now they're just like just dealing with being the wu-tang clan and it's just fucking juicy it's just chopping so, heads yeah literally it's just it's a great time one episode is just the entire episode takes place on a tour bus it's, it's great it's just fantastic you just see the group dynamic just over the course of different cities and just like the progression through their tour it's just it's just great it's good stuff who was like are there like notable directors, producers attached to this? Um, Melvin or Marvin, one of the Van, whoever is the the more younger Van Peebles is. He okay. frequently directs episodes. Mario, yeah, Mario Van Peebles. He did the one where there's like a a really popular sequence of RZA sampling a song, and it does like this breakdown inside of like a soundstage where there's the entire band, and he like does a mixer thing where he lowers the volume of the guitars and raises the volume of the drums but we see it like happen and mario van peebles directed that episode and it's just fantastic there's a lot of just great episodes that just do weird detour things and it's just great i'm so happy it's back if you can't tell from the excitement in my voice i'm just so happy that's back yeah i'm watching a lot of stuff um oh something else i watched recently uh so like i said i'm trying to lay low because there's COVID in the house um so emily and i stayed home all weekend we watched the entirety of amazing race season six, 16 i believe is what it was okay. i don't know why we watched this season oh no the reason we watched it in this season in particular is because this is the season that mike white is on oh um, okay so we're like well we watched his we watched the survivor season we might as well watch his amazing race season sweet amazing i didn't know race. he was on both <laughs> yeah yeah him and his dad are on amazing race Wow. Um, it's great. <laughs> like it is such an my parents are really hooked on Amazing Race. Um, when I went to visit them last week, we were talking about how my father and I should go on the show. <laughs> so like every challenge, every time there was a challenge, we were like, okay, I was like, okay, dad, which one are we doing? Like, because yeah. there's this thing called detours where it's like um the contestants are faced with two choices. They could do, you know, one obstacle or another obstacle. One obstacle is usually dealing with chance. Uh, or you're like trying to find something the other obstacle is more like you're just powering through uh an experience um, okay so we always ask ourselves like okay what, what are we doing dad um and like who's driving on this leg uh, yeah, who's sure, doing yeah. navigation <laughs> you know um, holding the cell phone <laughs> yeah uh, well you can't use cell phones you can't use gps oh. um so you, you just have to use paper maps you have to use cabs you have to ask people for directions um, gotcha i'm out first round <laughs> dude, it's it's if you haven't seen the show it's pretty good tv uh, yeah, especially yeah. if you're playing that game of like you have one person with you and you're like okay if we were a team like who's handling this so, so, so there's another thing called uh, roadblocks, which is a challenge that only one person can do. And over the course of the race, one person can't do more than six roadblocks. So you have to be strategic with who's going to do which roadblock. Okay. Um, and hmm. so, yeah, we play that game of like, okay, 
it's a bungee jumping challenge like which of us is doing the bungee jumping oh, shit. it's yeah, like yeah. eating a spicy bowl of food challenge like, gotcha so I'll, yeah. I'll take that i'll step up to that great great show awesome. uh, highly recommend to the amazing race if yeah. you need some fucking garbage to consume over a week yeah i was just talking to my friend about survivor she's joking about going on and i was just like i've never watched any of i've never watched survivor Dude. or the amazing race i just have like this gap i remember i was into like american idol season one but then like i took a weird left turn and was watching weird mtv shit after that like flavor of love and all that garbage you need to watch survivor pearl islands it is <laughs> i'm trying to figure out which season it is i want to say it's like season six or seven uh seven is season seven um so so I, when i was a kid we watched the first two seasons of survivor and then i never watched it again and i would see commercial score and i'm like how is this show still on at like season 20 something <laughs> uh but i have two co-workers who are really into survivor and the way they sold it to me the way they got me to watch it is they were like okay so back when you watched survivor when it was just season one and two they were casting survivalist they were casting people to like go on an <laughs> island and try and rough it. Uh, but now this show has been on for so long that people have grown up watching Survivor. So these people who have grown up watching Survivor, they understand the gameplay mechanics. Yeah, they yeah. understand the strategy behind it. And so now what they're casting, they're, they're casting lawyers and <laughs> shit like that. Like they're casting yeah, people yeah. who know how to work people. And it's all about like playing the game and being like, okay, initially there's two teams and each team is like fighting for immunity uh because if you lose like an immunity challenge or whatever uh your team has to vote someone off yeah, so initially yeah. you want to preserve the strongest people like the big people burly people fast <laughs> people whatever and then once um both teams like dwindle to a certain number they combine and it's just one tribe um, yeah, yeah and at that point you need to be uh, trying to get rid of the strategists yeah, you need yeah. to be, like who's the threat who's the most likable person because Man, when it comes down it. to the end i don't want to be i don't want it to be me versus the most likable person because it ends with uh the three final survivors going to a council where all of the previous contestants on that season get to vote for who wins is that the tribunal uh, or yeah. something yeah yeah so it's like you don't the tribal council, <laughs> the tribal uh, council. you don't want to yeah end up competing with like the most liked person you want to compete Love with like an asshole <laughs> so you need to keep an asshole around um it's yeah it's really interesting yeah, it's like a weird social experiment yeah you're selling me i'm yeah if i know if i dive into it i'm just gonna get lost into it but yeah, pearl just... islands incredible television <laughs> yeah okay fuck yeah what have you been watching lately uh so this week i watched uh wanted to point out two movies um that i feel like fit into the theme of man versus machine as we sort of wind this down before i start talking about other things that came out but two movies i think are very very fun for two very very different reasons uh, so the first one is christine by john carpenter okay. i'd never seen this back in the day it's a movie that has been parodied before like on futurama there's an episode where bender turns into an evil car that was i was like oh, okay this is probably referencing the stephen king novel that i'm probably never going to read but this movie is awesome uh it's a really great time uh it's like a little bit later in John Carpenter's career, but he's he's a master at what he does. And like, it's just a very subtly done, but also just like, I don't know. It's, have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. It's a trip. Like it's like, obviously like 
the words from Stephen King are obviously like weird and many. So you have that sort of being the driving force of this movie. But then you have John Carpenter's his sensibilities and his lighting and his like framing and just like the music is all sort of works really well together. It's a weird movie. It's not very like it, it, it does drag a little bit. It's a little boring at times, but I don't know. The protagonist is great. He starts off as a, this like nerdy guy and then just slowly becomes this really evil like greaser like menacing kind of figure as he's like falling in love and like succumbing to the evil nature of this car and it's just it's just fantastic to see like the earlier cgi and the like camera effects of how like the car gets destroyed and totaled but it like reforms and comes back together and it's like there's a scene where it's just on fire chasing a man and it's just like it's just really it's awesome i think as a person who likes older horror films and like especially when things are shot on 35 i think you'd appreciate it because it, just, it looks great when it looks good it just looks fantastic in a way that older films sort of really exceed at looking like when explosions and things start going off it just looks fucking awesome cool. so i recommend that as like a little bit of an older man versus machine movie if you want a newer man versus machine movie something a little sleeker something uh way way dumber something way way fucking dumber uh I would check out Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have seen Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> I finally got around to watching that. And that features uh, Idris Elba as like a bio- biomechanical a man. <laughs> yeah, a biomechanical man who says uh, genocide, schmenocide in his evil speech <laughs> towards the end of the movie. Uh, but yeah, last year I went through and watched all the Fast and the Furious films and enjoyed going through that franchise. And I, I figured why not finish it off before 10 comes out and watch Hobbs and Shaw. And it's ridiculous. It's just really silly i think uh it doesn't quite work as well as the later uh, like the later fast films after like fast four or whatever after fast and furious like yeah someone on letterbox put it really appropriately and aptly they're like it's dumb but it's like not the quite not the kind of dumb that works where it's like at least in the fast and the furious movies like vin diesel thinks he's a god he thinks he's playing it straight like he's playing it like he is like Dom is like the savior for, for the planet Earth, but in Hobbs and Shaw, they're kind of doing it in a jokey way, and I think it kind of conflicts. How do you feel about Hobbs and Shaw? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I watched it with my dad, which, like, I feel like, of course, <laughs> yeah, but, it's um, over the top and dumb, but yeah, I don't know. It's just there is it's it's action more figures being thrown around. Yes, what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, uh, people have been <laughs> describing it that way, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we do with our dragon balls the action figures back in the day but even like the fast and the furious movies are kind of like that where it's yeah. like okay yeah these are just they're superheroes but we're not calling them superheroes they're just like bursting through walls and shit like like the kool-aid man yeah um, i think maybe it's because hobbs and shaw takes the moment to like give the movie over to ryan reynolds to kind of riff and make jokes and kind of gives the movie over to kevin hart to kind of just like make jokes in those like cameo kind of moments it sort of feels like it's a little bit less interested in taking itself self seriously and i think that's why the fast movies succeed is because they are dom thinks he's james bond and that's why it sort of works when it's just dwayne johnson jason statham it's it's less charming because they're both in on the joke that is one of the things i remember about that movie is uh, Ryan Reynolds showing up and my dad just being like, God, what was my dad's reaction to that? He was he said something along the lines of like, I like that guy, man. He's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Um, but yeah, also it, uh, it brings up this thing that kind of irks me, a uh, weird little criticism. Some people always like do the lazy joke of being like, oh, like 
Hobbs and Shaw is so homoerotic. Like they're like they're at each other's throats the entire movie. They want to bang each other, and I, I don't. Know, it feels like a lazy joke when I watch something like Christine. Could be a, could be a good sequel, though. I don't know, but like I, don't, <laughs> I watch stuff like Christine or like the second Nightmare on Elm Street, where there's actual like subtext and things put into the movies, and it feels like when it's actually there, I feel like we could actually like dive into it and celebrate the movies that try. Because like in Christine, there's a moment where they're like the bullies are fighting they're fighting inside the the workshop and our main character has like yogurt in his lunch bag and one of the bullies like slices open the yogurt and it drips out of the the sandwich bag like on the ground and like one of the bullies grabs the guy by like by the crotch and like i don't know there's like just moments where it just feels like they're clearly like there's like something going on here like behind behind these images and huh. i don't know i feel like it's just kind of like a lazy joke to me when people are, oh yeah like the rock wants to bang jason statham just because they're both just like muscled out I don't know, just, just a little thing that irks me just just wanted to mention that but it's very small while just talking about another thing i do remember about that movie is that vanessa kirby plays jason statham's sister yes and we have a flashback <laughs> where they're like two or three years apart or something like that but really jason statham's like 12 years older than vanessa yeah. kirby <laughs> yeah so i heard chemistry doesn't work with the rock either and so, yeah that that didn't really work for me but i do enjoy the climax of it we have this whole like spears versus gun thing like we go back to to um not we go back to samoa and we have like this amazing climax between like all of the rocks family doing like the samoan dance and like yeah. fucking doing the circle of fire and just beating the shit out of the dudes and i i was into that but yeah like i don't know it's just overall like that's like that's two and a, two hours and 10 minutes in like it's like there's a lot of other stuff in that movie that's just kind of ridiculous and over the top and excessive but maybe I, it's not as far as fast and furious i just looked it up uh jason statham is 21 years older than gotcha. Venice Security, <laughs> and they're Sweet. supposed to be siblings he could be her father love it absolutely love it um, wild uh and then the last thing i wanted to mention was a uh, cocaine bear saw oh i want to see it i haven't seen it yet it's great it's a good time um but i will mention the thing that made my screening so great is because i saw this on friday night i was like i'm not waiting i'm gonna go see this as soon as it drops and so i was in the theater i was ready to go and really excited the theater was pretty full and cool. then like some high schoolers come in one of them has like a little tiara birthday thing on i'm like okay got like some high schoolers in here could go either way yeah and then they started being kind of obnoxious and annoying like pretty immediately into the movie talking and like doing lot, not like phones. talking they weren't talking and they doing weren't on cocaine <laughs> what they were doing is like a joke would happen the audience would laugh and then they would echo with a mocking ha 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 kind of laugh and so they were like Ugh. making fun of the us for having fun for watching or cocaine. laughing at a comedy yes and so this hat this was happening periodically throughout the movie they sound really cool. They're, Were they cool? They're they're the coolest kids. <laughs> coolest kids I know. One was like jumping down the stairs as he like went down to go get soda. Like being like just real, real jerk ass uh stuff. So they were just acting dumb on the stairs, and then one of them was trying to act dumb on the stairs and jumped and fell flat on his face. And the dude next to me, he just burst out laughing. And I was like, it was just like, hey, like you like fucked around and found out, like now. We're in a movie called Cocaine Bear, but everyone yeah. in here is laughing at you. Like, it's just like, yeah. and then they were quiet for the rest of the movie. And I was just like, this is karma. Happens. Sometimes karma takes years. Sometimes karma takes seconds. <laughs> and it was glorious to see. And so I really enjoyed it. 
hope you enjoy watching it when you eventually get to go see it. I won't spoil anything, but there's cocaine and there's bears in it. Okay. Ray Liotta's final role. Yeah, they send him off great. I think yeah. he wouldn't have had it any other way. <laughs> it's like a Viking funeral. Yeah, he he goes out with a blaze of glory. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's all I'm watching. Um, it's it for... Oh, we gotta roll the die. Yeah, we gotta roll the die. Oh, yeah, we're doing Oscars next, but yeah, I guess we can roll the die. Oh, Wait, are we doing Oscars now? So yeah, we're going to do two Oscars episodes. Yeah. And then we're going to switch to a theme. So yeah, maybe we can hold off on rolling the die. Okay. So yeah, for those listening... Two Oscars episodes or one Oscar episode? I think the way we discussed this the last time, we're going to do one, which is going to be more leaning towards the films we haven't seen, since we already have full discussions on everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, and we touched on Avatar. Touched on Avatar. We touched on Elvis. Touched on Elvis. I've touched on Fablemans, but yeah, we are. It's kind of spread out. So whatever the ones first episode will be more towards things we haven't seen, and then the second episode will be just like a very brief catch up episode. I think it's gonna be okay. Next episode is shit we haven't seen, and like we'll touch on stuff we have maybe, and then after that is gonna be post Oscars. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, it's like a response episode. We'll get some friends on for that. I'm sure yeah. we have plenty of people who are going to be watching the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that'll be fun. Maybe we could call Kevin back in from Ireland. <laughs> uh, he hates the Oscar. <laughs> but I guess that helps. Yeah. Match my. Yeah. He endless, had a miserable time. <laughs> match my endless enthusiasm for the pageantry of Hollywood, the pageantry of, of all these speeches. I love celebrities. I love them. I especially they're love when, they, when, they're, when they're forced to do skits. I love when they're forced mm. to do skits. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like I said, it's going to be a beautiful mess. I think after last year's fucking debacle and then all of the good movies being like in the festival sort of award show circuit right now, I think it's just, it's building up to be an, a very entertaining ceremony. I hope Brendan gets an award. I hope Kihei Kwan gets an award. A lot of people. So. You've seen, oh, I think my camera died. You've okay. seen people are saying uh, it feels like Brendan Fraser is a, um, sorry, I'm distracted by my video broke. feels like Brendan Fraser is a Make-A-Wish kid and that they're just like parading um, him around, treating him like the most special person at every party. Yeah, eh, maybe. I don't know. I think for the performance that he gave and then for the area, the point that he's at in his career, I think it's absolutely, it's like, definitely like well-deserved for a multitude of different like reasons like sort of helps kind of course correct them like blacklisting him and it also like also acknowledges the fact that this is like an actor who's just fantastic at what he does and i don't know he's getting his chance to sort of like get his voice and kind of just be out there in the public sphere and i i appreciate like i don't know if you're into these kind of things but like the hollywood reporter like circle conversations where they're like invite like a bunch of directors or whatever or writers to like just talk mm. yeah i watched like, some of those yeah sometimes they can be hit or miss but the one with like all of the actors was just like so great because there's just like so much humility and gratefulness and just like everyone's just like yeah like we're just so fucking happy to be here and just like happy just like to be like able to do this and i don't know i think he represents the the tip of that spear because he's just like the sweetest person out of all of them in, in this is in the room with kihei kwan <laughs> like he still manages to be even more of a sweetheart than him sometimes yeah, i don't know those are fighting words <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> we're gonna be I'm fighting sorry. over I'm our sorry. sweethearts here. i'm sorry 
I want everyone to get a trophy. I just I want I just want this to be a good a good sort of bounce back from just the mess of last year. But who knows? It's just an award show. Just... Maybe maybe Key and Brendan are gonna be throwing punches. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're gonna be starring in a buddy cop by this time next year. Buddy cop movie. Yeah, Encino Man Two reunite. <laughs> it's writing itself the movie writes itself yeah all right so yeah i guess we will figure out that batch and watch those movies actually i expanded our uh themes list using suggestions from chat gpt so now i am using the ai to come up with more stuff for us what did it add uh i forget i mean i like i picked through the list to just like okay pick the ones i wanted but i think like fish out of water wasn't on there rags to riches wasn't on there okay yeah. Hopefully, tough guy gets put on there because I'm tough guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll fucking add that right now. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be the foremost expert on tough guy. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, this has been episode 116 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you're watching. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or theme suggestions, let us know. Tweet at us at Vague Zone what you're watching. Let us know what you thought about the most recent episode of the Wu-Tang show, The Mandalorian, or uh, the other show, The Last of Us. That Yeah, that show too. Let us know what you're watching. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. See you next time. Cool.